This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Shalom. God's peace. His highest good and greatest grace to you all. Shalom. Peace. May the glory of God and the peace of God abide with you all tonight. So glad you're here. I love this season of the year. Christmas is really the season of choice. For example, if if you want to buy a food processor and you go on Amazon.ca and just type in food processor and hit enter, 10,000 choices. Or how about a cordless drill, Mark? Cordless drill, Amazon.ca, 40,000 options come up. I mean, not all at once, obviously, but it says in that little bar at the top, 40,000. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, choices can be glorious and wonderful and confusing all at the same time, can't they? Yeah. And so are the choices we make about God. I mean, any day of the week, you go uh, walk through an airport or, or through the Devonshire Mall, and you'll be walking past hundreds of people who believe in no God. You will pass by hundreds of people who believe in dozens of gods, pantheon of gods, hundreds of gods, thousands of gods. And you'll pass by people who believe in one God, but they have no idea what he or she thinks or does or how they do the world. So many options, so many choices. So how do you choose? And and does it really matter? Of course it matters, doesn't it? (laughs) It, it, It matters. It matters greatly. Look again with me at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this good news gospel verse tells us that if we make the wrong choice, we're going to perish, which we heard last week lasts forever. It's irrevocable. It's a one-way ticket. You ain't ever getting out of there. If we make the right choice, however, we will have eternal life. And we'll we'll live with Jesus forever in the new heaven and new earth. I can't wait. What's that going to be like? No global warming, I assure you. That'll be over with. As we study this verse, along with the rest of Scripture, of course, we quickly develop several convictions that guide our thinking about the choices that we make in life. The first conviction that rises out of John 3.16 is that there is a God. For God so loved the world. John 3.16 starts with God, and so should we. The Bible declares that there is a God and that He exists. 
God is alive and, and he's real and God is not dead. He exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My granddaughters are learning that in the catechism I wrote from them. Is there more than one God? No, there's only one God. There's only one God, but he exists in three persons. Who are they? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we begin with God. That's where the Bible begins, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So let's not rush over this statement. I know Genesis 1.1 isn't typically a Christmas seasonal verse, but that's where Christmas started. We can't rush over. We need to pause in our lives from time to time and say, wait a second, wait a second. I know this is a long lineup, but there is a God. <laughs> he is real. He created this planet. He put everything in place. The world depends on God. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That pretty much declares his sovereignty over everything and everyone, doesn't it? There is a God. That's where we start. I read a story this week about a woman who is the result of an unwanted pregnancy. And so her whole life, she has struggled with the idea of a loving, present Heavenly Father. She struggled with that. Her mother was a, was a prostitute, and she was the accidental byproduct of her mother's profession. She's married now, and her life is really quite full. She's, she's quite happy and, and stable, but, but she's obsessed with the need to find out who her father is. She just wants to know. And she, she told about how one day she was standing at the kitchen sink washing the dishes with tears of anguish and frustration streaming down her face and falling into the dishwater. And her agony, she cried out, Oh God, who, who is my father? And it's like she heard this voice, I am your father. I am your father. She, she said the, verse, the, the voice was so real that she turned to see who, is in the, who had come into the kitchen, but there was, there was nobody there, at least nobody she could see. Yes, there is a God, and he created you, and he is your father, and he cares about you. Every minute of your day, he cares about you. Secondly, God has a son. That's the second conviction that comes out of this verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. <laughs> I, I know this verse is such a common verse, and some of you were thinking last week, John 3.16 for four weeks? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but it's still amazing, isn't it? And it's still wonderful, and it's still mind-boggling, even though we know it so well. It's like, Psh! 
Really, there's that much in this verse? Yes, and more. It may be familiar, but it's also fabulous. It's a magnificent truth. God the Father gave up his only begotten Son for us and for our salvation. The Nicene Creed puts it so beautifully, captures it. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through Him all things were made. Let's read this next slide together out loud, shall we? Join me. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. God has a Son. And He is fully and truly divine and He is fully and truly human. At the same time, not made or created or fabricated, he was born of the Virgin Mary, and his father is God. He's the only begotten Son of God. For us and for us, our salvation, he came down from heaven. That's the wonder of the incarnation. And we bow in wonder. Because you can't fully explain it, nor can I. We just say, thank you, God. Thank you. A third conviction that comes out of John 3.16 is that God loves. That's my conviction. Is it yours? God loves. For God so loved the world. He's, he's a God of love. 1 John 4 says so. Dear friends, let's love one another, for love comes from God because God is love. It's the essence of his character and his being. He, he is love. He can't help love you. He is love. A group of children were once asked, what does love mean? <laughs> you want to know something, just ask kids. <laughs> Rebecca's eight. She said, well, my grandma has arthritis, and she can't bend over and paint her toenails no more. So my grandfather does it for her all the time. That's what love is. See what you got to look forward to, Nathan? Danny is seven. He said, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy, and she takes a sip before she gives it to him to make sure it's okay. <laughs> That's love. <laughs> and Emily is only eight, but she's very perceptive. She said, love is when you kiss all the time. My mommy and daddy are like that, and it looks really gross when they kiss. <laughs> yes, the Bible says God loves. And he so loved the world that he gave his only son. The word so does not mean an amount of love, nor does it mean a measure of love. It's really pointing more so to the manner of love. How did God love? What is the way in which God loves us? Well, he loved us so. He loved, he loved such 
that he gave his one and only son to die in our place for our sins. That's how he loved. Romans 5.8 tells us that Christ did this. He died for us. He died in our place. He took our sins upon him when we were still sinners. You know, it's one thing to, to die for a righteous man, but to die for sinners? And yet that's what he did because he loves us. He was born to die. That's the meaning of, of Christmas in 316. Jesus came to the manger so that he could go to the cross. That's the backstory of Christmas in 2021. Not just Christmas in 316. That's the backstory to Christmas this year. And, and, and the fourth conviction that comes out of this verse is that God gives this costly love to an undeserving world of sinners. God loves the world. I know you know this verse, but would you recite it with me out loud so we can say it all together? John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Some of you are flipping back to King James. I could hear that. The fundamental nature of God's love can be seen in the infinite value of what he gave. He gave us his only son. Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect life. He died the perfect death. He came out of the grave again alive while we were still sinners. He did all of that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We read that a moment ago in Romans 5.8. And then Colossians 1.21 makes it clear that once upon a time we were all alienated from God. We were enemies of God because of our evil behavior. But God sent his son to die for us anyway. That's persistent love. On that first Christmas, Jesus came to earth. The son of God became a man. Philippians 2.7 says... He made himself nothing. Another translation says he emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So Jesus loves us, and he, he, he gets down on our level just to prove it. What better way to prove that God loves us than for God to become a man and get down on our level? Matt Proctor has two boys. Carl is five and Conrad is three, and they, they love to they love it when, when Matt dresses up like they do. So the boys will run into their bedroom and put their blue jeans on and their t-shirt, and then they come running back out and say, ask Matt to get his blue jeans and his t-shirt on. And then when he comes out of the bedroom, the boys are standing there with smiles from ear to ear, and they say, See, Dad, same, same. It's become a family thing. Same, same. And so when they horse around in the family room and they play football inside, and mom's told them not to a million times, but they play football together on the inside, the boys won't let him stand up. He has to get down on his knees. And then Conrad comes and puts his hands on his dad's shoulders and says, See, Dad? Same, same. When Jesus took on the very nature of a servant, he was made in human likeness. 
He took upon himself the same kind of humanity that we have, yet without sin. He knows how to identify with anything and everything you're going through. He was tempted in every way, just as we are tempted, yet without sin. He understands, fully man, yet fully God. In one of her books, Anne Voskamp says, I don't want a Christmas you can buy. I don't want a Christmas you can, you can make. I want a Christmas that you can hold. A Christmas that holds you and remakes you and revives you. I want a Christmas that whispers, Jesus. I want a Christmas like that too, don't you? <laughs> when you squeeze Christmas just a little, it whispers, Jesus. When Christmas holds you tight, what you hear in your ear is Jesus. I want a Christmas like that. You want a Christmas like that? Then put your hope and your trust in Jesus. That's the only way. He is the only way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way for us to be born again and have new life. He's the only way that we get to heaven. He's the only way that we get to, to, to live forever in the new heaven and new earth. Jesus is the way. He is the answer. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's Christmas in 3.16. There is a, a legend about a, an old woman who lived along the dusty road that led to Bethlehem. She was her village's best housekeeper. I'm talking meticulous. Not a speck of dust in her house. And that was quite an accomplishment because of that dusty road on the way to Bethlehem. She was Italian, Tony. Late one night, there was a knock on the door. And she opened it to find three kings in search of a baby who was to be the king of kings, the prince of peace. Frankly, what she saw when she opened the door was all the dust that blew in and the dirt on their clothes and on their boots. That's what caught her attention. They asked her if, she, if they could rest a while, and, and then they invited her on the journey with them. She said she'd love to go, but she had to get the house back in order after they left and she had one more load of laundry to do. Let me finish up, she said, and I'll, I will catch up with you. And they said, that was fine, just all she had to do was follow the star. Just follow the star. Well, the old woman worked all night, according to the legend, and finally, close to dawn, she put on her heavy coat, and she took a small gift for the newborn baby, and, and she set out. She left her house Absolutely spotless, of course. Uh, but the sky had clouded over, and she could, no longer, she could no longer see the star. And then in, in a few more minutes, it, it, it began to rain, and the rain spoiled her gift for the little newborn baby. And so she turned back, 
And she went home again. And she said, I'm such a foolish old woman. I have missed my chance to worship the newborn Prince of Peace. Perhaps, perhaps I will find him someday. Yeah, there's a lot of choices out there, folks. A lot of choices. Some people believe in no God. Some people believe in hundreds of gods. Some people believe in one God but have no idea what he or she thinks or does or how, they, how God works. They have no idea. Listen, God's design is to rescue the perishing with love. Don't get distracted. Don't be a, a Bafana. Don't be like the old woman who lived on the dusty road to, to Bethlehem, who was more distracted and more taken with keeping her house clean than she was in finding the Savior. Don't be like that. Don't miss your chance to worship the God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son so that when you put your trust and faith in Jesus, you're born again into a new, and you become a new creation. And re remember that Jesus died for you, and he did that while you were still a sinner. Perhaps you will find him still. Perhaps you will find him today. Let's pray together. Dear Father, there are lots of things we rely upon daily. Without giving these things much thought, really, we, we rely on water coming out of the faucet. We rely on our cars starting when we turn the ignition key after the service to go home. We rely on traffic lights and stop signs to keep us safe on our way to work. But Lord, there's nothing we rely on more than your love for us in Jesus. We praise you. We praise you for your love. Your love is knowable and dependable and eternal. And Lord, there may be somebody listening to this message right now who's ready to place their trust in you. And if that's you, my friend, then ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Put your trust in him and in his finished work on the cross. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight and you will be saved. Father, we're thrilled to know that your love drives out all fear of judgment and punishment. We no longer have to be afraid to die. We can live with absolute, the absolute assurance of heaven, and we thank you for that. We thank you that we'll never be punished for our sins because Jesus took the punishment we deserve on the cross. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. And Father, we pray also tonight for the people of Oxford, Michigan, as they grieve over the tragic murder of students in their own high school on Tuesday. May the people of Oxford come to know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fortify the gospel churches in that community to reach out in love and to share the hope we have in Jesus. Amen.